Good morning. So this morning, we're going to be looking at waiting. And for those who are taking notes, uh, the title is Actively Waiting. Thank you, Tom. Um, so let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just continue speaking to us, that we would hear clearly what you are saying to us this morning, that we would leave this place this morning more like Jesus than when we came in. Amen. Okay, um, I want to start with the following verse, and I want you to hold this verse in mind for the rest of of what I'm going to say. Um, because I believe that it's what God would say to us this morning. And it's Esther 4, verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So over the last few months, we've heard a lot about moving with God, listening to the Holy Spirit, and moving with Him. And that God's got more than playing church for us. And that there'll be a new move of the Spirit and a revival, and rightly so, But if we're not careful, we will stop actively waiting and start passively waiting. And what's the difference? Well, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, the parable of the ten virgins. Okay, and it says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with the lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's a bridegroom, come and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I don't like waiting. I'm not very good at waiting. Because what I tend to do when I'm waiting is I switch off. I close down. And I don't think. 
on the things that I should think on. Could be because I've had a boring job most of my life. Um, but anyway, actively waiting is preparing your hearts and minds, quietly seeking what God wants, asking the Holy Spirit to give you prayers and reading your Bible and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the Scriptures to you, a longing and desiring to know the heart of God in all things. It's having enough oil. It is what Tom said. And in fact, Tom, if you want to come up and preach this, feel free, because you put it far better than I think I will. Actively waiting. Not sitting there bored, twiddling your thumbs, but waiting, actively waiting. Waiting is doing something. It isn't not doing something. And passively waiting, let's daydreaming. Is Jackie here? Yeah, Jackie's here this morning. Okay, we won't touch on my ability to daydream, especially in class. They should not put windows in classrooms. Okay, it's just unfair. I used to sit in the classroom and watch the tractor going round cutting the grass on the field. And that was by far the most exciting part of my day. <laughs> Nothing to do with the teaching, that was my fault. Okay. But it's daydreaming, it's praying your own will and agenda. It's reading the scriptures as a routine. It's lacking hunger and thirst. It's running out of oil when you need it most. You know, batteries can be charged in two ways. They can be trickle charged. Very slow. Takes hours to do. Or they can be put on a fast charge. But the problem is that one will last for the whole journey or the whole job and the other one won't. A trickle charge will get you through the journey and a fast charge won't. It'll get you some other way. You know, waiting on God and being still and knowing that when God says, be still and know that I am God, is a trickle charge. It's slow. It's methodical. It's difficult to wait with. But it gets you through the storms of life to your destination. And I've said before that waiting on God is difficult. Because my mind goes into overdrive. There's a thousand different thoughts. I'm thinking about what I'm having to take 26 days in advance. I'm wondering where I've put that other jumper. I'm anything and everything. Where are my car keys? Oh, they're in my pocket. Yeah. But you can train your mind and your spirit to focus. And it takes a bit of discipline. And it's about practice. 
It's about actually having a go. It's about quieting yourself in the presence of God. And then when your mind starts racing and you start losing the purpose that you're there of going, Lord, can we just press the reset button and start again? Can we just press that little red button on the back? Just press it. Hold it in for five seconds. Ah, Let's go again. Let's start again. You know, there's times when I'm waiting on God where my spirit bows before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where I'm struck by his reverence, his authority, his power, and I am humbled just to be there. And there are other times when I actually climb on his knee and I have a cuddle and he puts his arms around me and he goes, you are a bit daft, but I don't half love you. You know, God always has a purpose in the waiting. It's not wasted time. It's not being idle. He always has a plan and a purpose in the waiting. Okay, so we can go to 1 Samuel 10, 13. And let's look at King David. It says this. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Saul. But Saul said to him, Samuel even. Where did Saul come from there? Sorry, let's start again. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are all... Oh, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. It's always the youngest who gets neglected, isn't it? I'm just saying that because I'm the youngest of four. I haven't got a chip on my shoulder about it. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So we sent for him and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So David's anointed king there and then. But then in in 2 Samuel 1, we read the King Saul dies and David becomes king. But David's waited 15 years from being anointed to actually getting the crown. 15 years? That's a bit of waiting on God, isn't it? 15 years. I'd have done. I'd have sent my CV out to other, to other kingdoms. I'd be looking for another throne to. 15 years. And then, in 2 Samuel 5, 3, we read that it's another seven years. Another seven years before he becomes 
king over the whole kingdom. That's over 20 years. That's over 20 years of listening to God say, you're going to be king. And actually, I'm not, because there's another bloke on the throne. I know patience is a virtue, but come on. 20 years. So did God get it wrong in the first place? Did God peak too early? Was God just being mean with David and making him wait that long? Or did God use that time to build David's character? To teach David about faith, about hope, and about God's own character? But even after the character building and the lessons taught, David still manages to get it wrong and mess it all up. That's a story for another time. But then if we look at Noah, it takes Noah 120 years to build the ark. 120 years of getting up and going to do a job. 120 years of building something because God says, well, it's going to rain. I don't even understand what rain is because I've never seen it, God. Yeah, but come on now, play the game. I've told you what to do. A hundred and... I've been in my current job four years. I don't fancy another 116 of it. It's just every day. We, We read about people doing things and we think, it's 120 years of getting up and doing the same thing every day. Wow. And this week in the Jewish faith, they'll be reading the story of Sarah. But they start in Genesis 23, I think that's right, with Sarah's death at the age of 127. Seems an odd place to start with somebody's life, doesn't it? Start at the end. But we see from the story of this woman's life, that she had to wait 25 years for God's promises to be fulfilled. Now Abraham and Sarah were blessed. Blessed in the natural and blessed spiritually. But they had riches. And I'm sure they'd have given up everything just to have reduced that 25 Years by one day. I'm sure that in it all, they'd have gone, give it all away if we can just have him now. So did God get his timing wrong? Was God just messing around with them, playing games? This will be a bit of fun. Let's see how long they can put up with this. So in Acts 1.4, we read this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
So scholars say that there's 10 days between Jesus' ascension and Pentecost. Is that right, Dave? So they, if you look at the stories we've looked at, we're talking years, we're talking mammoth times. But you think of what those disciples have just been through. You think of waiting yet more time. So you've seen Jesus ride into Jerusalem with such excitement, such joy. This is it. The Romans are going home. The kingdom of God is coming. Woohoo! Israel's going to be restored. Then you've had disbelief at the arrest of Jesus. This can't be right. Then you've had confusion at the trial. Surely, surely they're not going to find him guilty of anything. He's blameless. Then you've seen the horror and experience the horror of the crucifixion and watching him die. And you felt the loss and the bereavement of Jesus' death. And the abandonment and the, oh, what are we going to do now? And after three days, you've had that unspeakable joy and excitement at his resurrection. And now he's saying he's going again. And you watch him ascend into heaven and he's gone again. And you've got to wait again. Imagine the emotions that you'd be feeling. Why have we got to wait again? We've been through so much already. We've been through all that. We've been through all that joy, that pain, that hurt, that joy. Oh, why can't you just stay? Now you're waiting for this comforter that Jesus has promised. I don't understand what a comforter was, even though Jesus has explained it. I think I'd be like, yeah, he's talking in riddles again. Don't get it. And I'd be sat there thinking, well, it's all very well you've gone back to the Father, but you've left me on my own again. Told me to wait. How long do I have to wait this time? Is it three days? Is it three weeks? Is it three months? Is it how long? How long have I got to wait? I'd be feeling impatient and frustrated. You know, it's been hours already. But was God's timing wrong? Was it worth the wait? Well, Acts 2 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Was it worth the wait? Yeah? 
Worth the wait? Was God's timing wrong? Okay. Was he right? Was it perfect? Okay. So, let's just return to Esther. And I hope that you know the story of Esther. But it's the story of an orphan girl who ends up becoming the queen of Persia and saves the Jewish people from a plot to destroy them. And when you read the story, it's very easy not to get a sense of the timescales involved. You know, it's like that with a lot of the Bible stories that you read. Yeah? You read, you read, and, and this happened, and that happened, and this happened, and that happened, and you think, oh, right, okay, that's cool. That's good, isn't it? It just went, doot, 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 doot. fantastic. Fantastic, just like watching a movie. A couple of hours were all done. But it was five years from entering the service of the king to Esther becoming queen. Five years. Yeah, what's five years? Time flies by. And then it's five years from discovering the plot to kill the Jewish people for the plot to be overturned. Imagine having that hanging over your head for five years. Waiting for the king's law to be implemented for five years and knowing or trying to actually get him to change his mind. You know, Esther had to actively wait for her turn to see the king for a year. So for the first year of her service, if we want to call it that, she never even met the king just a lot of waiting round, a lot of beauty products, a lot of hair and makeup practice, a lot of dressing up in nice clothes, but for no end. And then once she becomes queen, she has to pick her moment. She has to seek God and go, when's the right time to actually address this plot and to sort it? Because as she'd previously seen, the previous queen just got thrown away because she upset the king one day. Bit of a grumpy fella. Wouldn't get away with that these days, would he? But while she was waiting, what was everybody doing? What were the Jews doing? Were they just meeting together and going, oh, well, let's hope she can get it sorted. She's our only hope, maybe. Maybe one day she'll get it sorted. No. No. They were actively praying and fasting and seeking God. They weren't just passively waiting. They were actively waiting. They weren't just going, Oh Lord, please, please, if you could. If it's not too much trouble. They were actively seeking. They were passionate. You know, 
Esther 4.14 For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. That's interesting, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say it won't happen. It won't say that the Jews will be destroyed. It says it will come from another place. But you'll be destroyed. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And I don't know what promises of God that you're waiting for. The salvation of a loved one, or of a friend, a healing, an opportunity for you to use your God-given gift, an opening for your calling, a new move of the Holy Spirit in this place and in this city. I simply don't know what it is. But God's timing is perfect. But we must actively wait. We must see his face. We must pray the prayers that the Holy Spirit gives us and search the scriptures expecting the Holy Spirit to open them up and reveal truths to us. Waiting isn't easy, especially when it's something you really, really want. When I was little, Christmas Day took an eternity to arrive. Now I'm an adult, it's here every 10 minutes and it annoys and frustrates me. Yeah, the time scales were different. My birthday, when I was little, took an age to come around. The summer holidays would take months to arrive and seconds to go when I was little. Actively wait. Seek him. See what prayers he wants you to pray about it. And I'm going to finish with this. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Is that not exciting? Hey, anyone who loves me. So you're not obeying teaching by a load of rules. You're obeying his teachings out of a heart of love. And my Father will love them and we will come. We will come. We'll be there. And we'll make our home with them. I don't know what you do at home. I don't want to know what you do at home. But a home is a place where you relax, where you plan, where you're intimate with family and friends. Where you yourself, where you let your guard down and you're vulnerable in a good way. And that's the place where God wants to meet with you in your home, in here. So we can be intimate with you, so you can plan together. 
so you can be vulnerable to him. Let's pray. Father, we know that your timing is perfect. Lord, teach us to wait on you, to leave the cares and worries of this world at your feet and to focus on you. Teach us to sit before you and adore you. Teach us to be intimate with you. Amen.